as I was watching that video, it's, it's a thank you, and it's, it's thanking us for what we're doing, but as I sat and watched that about six weeks ago, I felt extremely convicted because here's a young lady who's serving in a Muslim country, and we, we, we had to purposely wait to record the message today after that video because we can't post that online for their safety. And so as I was watching that, and I, I see the joy, and I see the excitement and the passion to be serving in a place where uh, she may lose her life physically. And I thought, I think I've got something wrong. And the Lord used this thank you message to just prick something in my heart to say, you know, there's a call to live dead. And right now in the Assemblies of God, there's a movement called the Live Dead Movement that was started by Dick Brogdon, and it's based on John chapter 4, verses 24 through 28. And it's calling young people especially to, to lay down their lives to follow God, to live dead. In other words, to go into closed countries where they may actually lose their lives to serve for the gospel. And there are books on the table back there that we've made available, devotionals by Dick Brogdon, that maybe you're not called to go live in a foreign country and maybe lay down your life physically, but here's what I know. Every one of us in this room is called to live dead. And I don't know that we fully understand in our American culture what that means, what it really means to lay down our lives for Jesus. I don't know that we, we understand fully what it means to die to our dreams and our desires and our reputations, but here's what I know. Missions Month is more than just special services. It's about understanding God's call for us to live missionally every day of our lives. You are not here to live and to experience sports. You are not here to just have a, a nice home and, and to decorate it nicely. We are not here to just live safely and arrive at death safely so we can go to heaven. We've been called to live on purpose and to live dead. Dead to our own rights, dead to our own desires, dead to our own dreams. And here's the thing, if we do that, if we lay down our lives, this promises that life will spring out of that. And so many of our churches today are filled with people who are grumpy and tired because they don't know what it is to live dead. Live dead means we've been called to suffer with Christ. And every time I go through difficulty and hardship, I understand that God is working behind the scenes to bring life, to bring life to me, to bring life to others, and that's what it is to live dead. And from that, it led me into this, this conversation that I've been having with the Lord for quite a while, wrestling with this idea in search of the church how does God build a body? And over the next few minutes and into next week, what I want to talk about is what we mean by this word church. In fact, not what we mean maybe so much as what the scripture means by this word church. Because there's a cultural idea today of what church is that is not what the Bible teaches. And we cannot just go along with what culture says church should be. We need to do what the scripture says church should be. And we need to wrestle with these ideas and put them into practice in our lives. Now here's what I wanna say from the outsets. Number one, the things I'm about to say are not essential things for your salvation. Being a part of the body of Christ or a church is not essential for salvation. 
faith in Christ is. But I believe the scripture teaches that being connected to a body of Christ is essential for us to grow and be like Jesus. That was a great place to say amen, because that's truth, okay? I think the scripture teaches it, and some of us stay at a level of immaturity because of our refusal to do what the scripture says about connecting to the body of Christ. And so we stay very young in our faith and we don't grow very far. And it doesn't matter how long you've been saved because some people have been saved a very short time and they grow. And some people have been saved a very long time and have very little growth. If you remember when uh, we had a missionary here just a few weeks ago that said to us in, in the sermon that they preached, they said, uh, you know, some of us are, are, are immature even though we've been in church a long time. And it was such a subtle way to put it, but I just thought, ow, that, that could be me. I mean, I, yeah, I've been to Bible college and I've been a pastor for 19 years, but that doesn't mean anything. How much I've surrendered to the Lord, how much I've laid my life down, how much I've connected to his body, that's whether I'm growing or not. And so there's so many things I want us to wrestle with. And I, I know that when you leave today, you may leave with more questions than answers. And I'm okay with that. Because I want you to wrestle with the scripture just as much as I do because I want us to understand what God means by the body of Christ. And so let's start with this word church. The word church in the Bible, in the New Testament, is a Greek word that says it's ekklesia. And the definition of that word is an assembly of persons constituted by a well-defined membership. Now, the translators have taken this word, ekklesia, an assembly of persons constituted by a well-defined membership, and they have taken a Greek word that was in existence before the Bible was written. Okay? The Greeks used this word the same way that maybe you and I use it for uh, some of our clubs in town, like the Rotary Club, or the Optimist Club, or the Lions Club. It's a well-defined membership. It's an, they are an ecclesia. And when the scripture writers or translators put it down for us to understand, they use the word church, thinking we will understand that word more than any other word that they could use. The problem is, I don't know that we know what the word church means. For some of us, church is what you attend on Sunday morning. This is not church, this is a worship service. Some people, church is a building. It's not a building, this is a building. We could have a worship service in any building. We could have a worship service outside. And if you and I are present there, it's a church worship service. If I'm just there, it's just a personal worship service. That make sense? Sometimes people come to me and say, Pastor Tom, does the church have an item I can borrow? A, a, a table, uh, a roaster, uh, a television, things like that. Do, does the church, well, do you mean do we? Because you are the church. It's not an institution. It's not the assemblies of God. It's not me. It's not my name, it's, it's us as a collective body. We are Huron first. Those of us in this room that feel like God has brought us together for this time, we are Huron First Assembly of God, we're the church. And I think we need to stop and think about what we're saying. I literally think we need to stop and change what we talk about. I don't think we should say, are you going to church this week? 
I think you should say, are you going to worship service? You say, well, Pastor Tom, that's just semantics. That's just words. No, it causes us to stop and rethink what we're saying. Now, just changing our words is not gonna do the change that we need to do, but it's a start because it, makes us, it forces us to change the way we think. We have to change the way we think. The idea of church was actually started by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when he's talking to his disciples, he says, I will build my church, my ecclesia, my assembly of persons constituted by a well-defined membership. I will build that. Now, today, I understand that the concept of church has changed a lot from what Jesus thought. And there are those that argue that the church has drifted from what it is and it's too much of an institution and there's too much, uh, and people don't wanna be members of a church because church is this evil thing in their heads. And while a lot of their argument is true, I don't find a scriptural precedent for us to just throw out the idea of church. And so what I see is a lot of young people today just throwing away the idea of church because they don't like what it's become instead of rethinking what Jesus taught and trying to be changed. Because here's what they say, well, it's hopeless. It'll never change. I don't know, what God do you serve? I don't know a God that says, hey, whenever the task in front of you is really difficult or looks almost impossible, just you know, walk away from that. In fact, I think he leads his people into difficult circumstances for us to bring change in a godly manner. And I challenge people all the time. Some of my own friends, I challenge them. You have got to start being the change that you think needs to happen. You can't just walk away from the church because you don't like it. You need to stay engaged in what the biblical mandate of a church is because I believe when we do this, when we understand what church is, we grow into maturity. I believe that because the scripture says it. In Ephesians chapter four, Jesus is called the head of the church and he appoints apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists to be like Jesus so that other people can follow them. Now that's not what it says. It says, I know, I tricked you. It says he appoints them to train the people of the, the church to do works of service so that we can all grow up together doing our part so that the whole body starts to look like Jesus. See, we have this idea that in the body of Christ, the, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, they're to be Jesus. And the rest of us, well, you know, we're to be a, like a lesser Jesus. You know, the pastors and the prophets, they're the ones that are to, to, to visit people. They're the ones that are to pray for people. They're the ones that are to, to disciple people. And our job as just members of the body is, you know, to be lesser than that. But that's not it at all. The pastors, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, the, the job they have is to train everyone in the body to be like Jesus. Did I, did I convince you? Can we go home now? But we have this idea that they should be something and we should be lesser. And so what we have is a culture where pastors and staff do all the ministry and everyone else just watches. And then we preach to you, go out and evangelize people and disciple people, and you're like, well, I really don't know how to do that. Well, the only way you're gonna learn to do that is if you start ministering to people now. 
You start praying for people. You start visiting people. You start meeting needs. Don't say, call me and say, hey, Pastor Tom, I, this person's really been on my heart. I think you need to go visit them. If they're on your heart, you go visit them. You pray for them. And then when something happens, tell me about it so I can celebrate with you. Because that's what we want. Not because I don't want to do any work, but because I know that if I do all the work, we're only going to grow to a certain level. But if we train you to do the work, we can grow exponentially. Not to build a name for ourselves, but so that the kingdom of God can reach every corner of this city and even into cities outside of this city. Yep, that's a place to say amen. Our bodies, in 1 Corinthians 12, have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. Think about what that means. That means that you and I did not decide to be here. God brought us here. Okay? Either you're here in rebellion to God, or God has led you here. Now you may have think you chose this place, <laughs> but in our hearts we plan our course, but the Lord determines our steps. And so you are here at Huron First in the will of God. Why did he bring you here? What's, what does he want from you here? I do not believe any of us have been led here to occupy space on Sunday morning only. I'll say that again. I don't believe any of us in this room have been called here to occupy, occupy space on Sunday morning only. Now, can you get to heaven occupying space on Sunday morning? Yes. But will you grow to the maturity and completeness that's talked about in Ephesians chapter four by just occupying space on Sunday morning? No, you won't. And actually, I believe there's a danger of just sitting in a pew and occupying space and not growing into the person God wants that we actually begin to drift away from the truth that we've heard and can actually turn our back on our faith. I believe that's possible. And that's why we're encouraged in Hebrews to continue to meet together, to continue to find ways to encourage each other to serve in the giftings God has given us. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. But why has God brought you and I into this body? What are the biblical mandates and what are just our preferences? Can I tell you there's nothing in the Bible that says meet for a worship service on Sunday morning. There's nothing. There's nothing in the Bible that says when you meet together for a worship service have video announcements. Nothing that says you should sing some songs and then have a sermon and then go home. All of that's just like our cultural preference. Now, worship and praise should be a part of it. With music or without, doesn't matter. It should be there. Prayer should be a part of it. Sharing the word should be a part of it. The gifts of the spirit, like we saw operate today, should be a part of it. Did you know the gifts of the spirit could operate without tongues? Yeah, okay. Can I tell you, please, please listen closely. Just making sure that was on. The thing that sets us apart from other churches as Pentecostals is not tongues. It's the belief that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us today and flow through us today to minister to others, okay? Now, part of that is tongues, okay? But that's not all of it. So please, please, don't think that, believe that, or teach that to anyone else, okay? There, that's just beside the point. So, 
We've come together and it's our job to understand what has God called us to do culturally? What's he called us to do biblically? And when does what we're doing culturally actually hinder us from doing what he's called to do biblically? Does that make sense? Like if, if for this body right here, if meeting on Thursday night for this worship service would actually be the best thing to do, then we should change and meet on Thursday night. But Pastor Tom, uh, other churches don't do that. Who cares? We're not called to worry about other churches. We're not called to worry about what culture says. We're called to say, here's a body of Christ. God's brought us here. What should we do with what God has brought here? When should we meet? How should we meet? What should we do? Here's, here's another thing. As a pastor, I used to think it was my job to look at the, the things that we do as a church, the programs that we offer. We have women's ministry, and we have Awana, and we have uh, youth, and we have uh, all of these different ministries, and now it's my job to look around and find people to put in those holes. But guess what? Awana is not in the Bible. Women's ministry is not in the Bible. Royal Family Kids is not in the Bible. All of these things are good things, but they're all tools. They're all cultural things. They come and go. They change. What my job as a pastor is, is to look around and say, what did God bring us, and what can we do with what he's brought us? And maybe we change what we're doing to match what he's brought us instead of just trying to squeeze what he's brought us into what we want to do. Does that make a lot of sense? Now, some of you are like panic mode right now because you're like, what are we going to stop doing? <laughs> I don't know, but here's the thing. I, I really don't care. I really don't. There's absolutely nothing that we do that I would be firmly against stopping doing or changing because what I want us to be is a healthy, growing body full of love, and I don't want it to be words. I want us to literally be connected. I want us to, when, when one part hurts, I want all parts to hurt with it. When one part celebrates, I want other parts to celebrate with it. I want us as individual believers to be sharing our faith and bringing people to faith. I want us to be discipling people the way that the scripture commands us. I want us as a church to be planting other churches. I want us to be training people to do ministry. That's what I want, because that's what the Bible calls us to do. And just offering Sunday school classes or just offering Awana or youth services isn't gonna accomplish that because programs don't disciple people. People disciple people. And you and I have gotta find how we engage right now in the body of Christ that God has called us to to serve him and to make him known in this community. I want us to look at a couple passages of scripture and then we're gonna close and I'm gonna cover some more next week. First Corinthians chapter 12. These are not the only places in scripture where the church is talked about, but these are big ones. And so here we go. The human body has many parts. See our body up here? It has many parts. They make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, but we do this in the body of Christ. Well, I'm not as important as so-and-so because you know I'm, I'm not that part. You don't have to be that part. You're not called to be that part. And you're not any less important than that part. 
It doesn't make it any less a part of the body. If the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any a less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? See, I mean, we read that in scripture and we can see that on the body and that makes sense, but we still put ourselves down and think, well, you know, I can't sing like Jenny. You know, I can't lead worship like our, our worship leaders. I can't, I can't play drums like Kedrick or, you know, I can't pray like Pastor John or I can't teach like Reg. And You don't need to do that. Who are you? How have you been called to serve and plug into this body and spend yourself on behalf of the kingdom of God with us together in this city? Not for here on first, for our city. How can we together spend our lives for them? That's what we've been called to. And before you start thinking, well, we gotta balance ministry to the body with ministry to the world. No, no, you don't. If we actually start ministering to the world, we would get ministered to through that. The problem is we just keep sitting here waiting for a feeling when we've been called to do it. We've been waiting for a feeling before we connect with the body of Christ when we've been called to do it. Here, he goes on, look at what he says. Our bodies have many parts. God has put, God has put, not Mark has put, not John has put, not Karen has put, not Jean has put, not Mandy has put, God has put. It doesn't say I get to pick where I put. God has put each part where he wants it. I know that sounded weird, but it's okay. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. There are many parts, but there's only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. Oh, we do this all the time because we come to church for a worship service. We come to a worship service. See, it's so easy. We come to a worship service, but I don't need to be a member of a church. I don't need to be connected. I'm a part of the, 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 the universal body of Christ. Yeah, that works. Um, we've been called to be a part of a local body, and there's purposes, and we're gonna get to them in just a second. But we have to understand, we can't say, I don't need you to anyone else in this room. I don't need you. The Bible says, yes, we do. We need them for our own growth and maturity to become like Christ. The ones we like and the ones that rub us the wrong way too. But many times, if too many people rub us the wrong way, we just go to another church where we can maybe have people that don't rub us the wrong way there. And then we find after we've been there for five years, there's a lot of people like that there too. I mean, surely it's not us that needs to change, it's just all the people around us. Oh, Pastor Tom, stay on target here. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. This makes for harmony among the members. So all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. And all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And so I had us write our names all over this body so we could see a picture of it. Now, some, maybe you weren't here and you didn't see it, and so you didn't get your name up here. Don't panic. You're still a part of the body if God's led you here, if, even if your name's not on marker. But I noticed today, Jesus and I are starting to look a lot alike. So, <laughs> who knew I just needed to dye my hair and we would be the same. But I, I was looking at where people signed themselves, and I noticed all the way down here, the big toe. I, I noticed Mark Apple. And... <laughs> 
I don't know why Mark Apple put his name on the big toe. Maybe he was trying to be humble and thought, I'll just be the big toe. But I researched the big toe, and did you know that 40% of your weight is carried by your big toe when you walk? So I don't know if you meant it or not, but you're going to carry a heavy load for the Lord. 40% of this body is going to be carried on the shoulders of my. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But this is just, I'm not, I'm not going to go into psychoanalysis and wonder where you put your name and what that says about you. Maybe it does. Maybe that does say something about you. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe not putting your name says something about you. Maybe you're one of those that, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to put my name on there. I'm not going to be a member of a church. I mean, I don't need to do that. Does that what the Bible teaches? Does the Bible teach that we should have a group of people that we know and that we care for and that we commit ourselves to, or does it not? Does it have a list of widows that we should care for? When it tells us to discipline people and put them out of the church, how can we put someone out of the church if we don't know who the church is? I mean, there are a lot of things in the scripture that kind of go against the cultural grain. And I'm not saying everything the church does is right. In fact, it isn't. And we need to change to match the scripture, not just match what we like. Our preferences don't matter. What's gonna help us grow and meet the needs of people in that community? That's probably what matters most. In Ephesians chapter four, these are the gifts that God gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Maybe you don't think they're gifts, but the Bible calls them gifts. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ and we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We won't be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy, growing, and full of love. Can I tell you that when he says that the whole body fits together perfectly, that doesn't mean smoothly. That may mean there are people in the body of Christ that you kind of disagree with on stuff. And you, I mean, all throughout the scripture, there are disagreements happening on things. We have got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And we've got to stay in love with each other. We have got to put up with the faults and the flaws of one another. These are the scriptural mandates to us. It's not called to live in unity of every thought. It's called to live in harmony meaning some of us play different notes and we've got to find a way to make those notes sound good together a lot of times when the world looks at the church they hear different notes but what they see is discord think about what your non-christian friends hear when you talk about your church or the people at your church why would they ever want to come to faith if all we do is, well, that music is too loud, or our church does this, and we don't care about this, or we don't care about that, we've lost the main thing. And I'm not saying you've lost the main thing. I've lost the main thing just as much as all of us have. We've lost the main thing. 
And we've got to get back to what that means. I believe the main thing is to make disciples and teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. That's what Jesus told us. Go into all the world and make disciples. Share your faith, get people to come to know Christ, and then teach them to obey everything that he's commanded. The last one, Romans chapter 12. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We all belong to each other. That means that I don't just belong to my, my wife, and I, I don't just belong to my family, and I don't just belong to the Lord, but I belong to each of you. And so the decisions I make and the, the things that I do, I can't just do what I want. I need to do what is best for all of the people. Now, that doesn't mean everyone's always gonna be happy. How many of you think it's possible for all of us in this room to be happy about everything we ever do as a church all the time? Anybody think that's possible? Nope, didn't think so. It's just not possible. And so some things we're gonna like and some things we're not gonna like and some things we're gonna be happy about and some things we're just not gonna be happy about. But as long as all of it comes from this book, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And if you start seeing people's lives get changed, what color the carpet is, what songs we sing, really aren't gonna matter anymore because the main thing will be the main thing. We all belong to each other. When I put Flat Stanley up here, I wanted us to understand a couple things. These passages of scripture tell us a few things, and I'm gonna give you these few things, and then we're gonna, we're gonna leave, we're gonna think about them, and we'll come back next week. Jesus is the head, and this body can only be what it's called to be if each part stays connected to the head, okay? As individuals, you and I, our relationship with each other will rise and fall on how well you and I connect to the head. Because if you're not connected to the head or I'm not connected to the head, we will never be able to be connected to each other. Because unity comes from the head. Okay, so that's gotta be the first thing. When the scripture teaches us to abide in Jesus, that's what it means, to abide in Jesus. If we're not praying, if we're not in the word, if we're not just before the Lord and letting him mold us and shape us, if we're just taking our first response and reacting to everything, and we're not really going to the Lord and saying, Lord, am I overreacting in this situation? Is this a biblical thing? Do I? If we aren't doing that regularly, there, the rest of it's not gonna work. The body will not function if each part is not connected to the head. So we've got to stay connected to the head. The second part is every part has to be connected to the other parts. Now, in a, in a church this size, maybe you're gonna know everybody. It doesn't mean that you're gonna know everybody's business. It doesn't mean when this part of the body over here hurts that you're gonna feel it up here. Maybe you will. Maybe we find a way to share prayer requests. Here's, here's what I've found. We don't like to tell other people what's going on in our lives. We like to be guarded people in, in, in America. And you know, if I'm having surgery, I don't want you to know. Or if I have a problem in my life, I don't want you to know because I'm afraid you're gonna gossip. 
well, how in the world can we ever have a healthy body if that's how we're gonna live? There's a call to some level of vulnerability. Now, I don't think tomorrow we're all gonna wake up and be 100% vulnerable with each other. I don't, I mean, I actually don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> so let's not do that. But here's what I think. I think you and I need to be taking steps to be more and more vulnerable with one another. To find a way to tell the rest of the body, hey, I'm hurting and I need help. Or to, to look for someone who's hurting. Or to listen to the head when he wants to tell us, this part's hurting. It doesn't just happen in a worship service. You know, Ginny modeled for us today what the Holy Spirit wants to do every day of our lives. And when you're at home, connected to the head, and you're this part right here, and the head says to you, hey, this part hurts. You can send that part a text and say, hey, when I was praying today, I thought about you, and so I prayed for you. I hope everything's going okay. It, it could be that simple. I mean, that's, that's all it takes is a text message and a little bit of prayer to be connected to the head and to be connected to one another. How many of you, when you go in, in the shower, you only wash some parts? You don't, you, you're like, well, I don't wanna wash that part. I don't wanna pay attention to that part. You don't. You shower your, all your parts because you want your body to be clean. So why in the body of Christ do we only take care of well, I'm just, I'm this part, so the only part I care about is this part right here, and the rest of the body, I don't, you know, I don't need them. Every time you look at this, I don't know how long Flat Stanley's gonna stay here. I was thinking today when Kedrick plays drums that he might fall over, so we might have to stabilize him a little bit. But we have been called together as a body of Christ, and we've gotta grow together. And for some of you, that's a scary thought because being vulnerable with other people or your fear of what the church is might wanna keep you from that. But I believe God brings us into a body because he wants to work through us to minister to others, but he also wants to work in us. And so many times, the people that you try to avoid in the body of Christ are the very people God has sat you next to for this season of your life to chisel off some rough edges because he wants to make you mature and complete, able for anything. And see, in our day today, what we like to do is, well, I go to this church because I like the worship and the, or I like the sermon, but you know, I, I do my Bible study over here at this church because I, I like that group there, and I do a little bit over here at this church, and, I, 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 and so we're like part of six different churches because you know, I just like a little bit from each of them, and that's great. You'll find your way to heaven that way, I'm sure, but your maturity level will stay at a certain level. Because until you actually get in relationship with a group of people that maybe aren't quite like you, the Lord can't chisel off some of those edges that he needs to chisel off. Because here's, when we just pick what we like and people we like, I just wanna be in a Bible study with people I like. Oh, is she gonna be in that Bible study? I don't know if I wanna go to that Bible study if she's gonna be there. Oh, that's the Bible study you need to be in. Because the Lord will use that person to help you grow. See why he calls us to be a part of a, that's what I think he calls us. Now, I could be wrong. You could, and if you find something in here that disproves what I just said to you, come and tell me. 
Let's have coffee. Let's wrestle with these passages together. But God brings us not only into a body to connect with other people, but he puts people in positions of authority over us. Oh, everyone hold on to the pew in front of you. Because there's corruption. Pastor Tom, do you know about the level of corruption today in, in our government? And the level of corruption in the church? And people are just, yeah, there's corruption. Did you think there wasn't corruption in Jesus' day? Do you, know, do you know who crucified Jesus? The leaders. The leaders of the church. The Sanhedrin were the ones that took Jesus, the high priest, took Jesus to Pilate so Pilate would condemn Jesus to die because they, it was outside of their realm of authority and so that's what they did. And yet, when that happened, Jesus still says this. So corruption still exists. But the reason that there are leadership in the body of Christ, the reason there are deacons, the reasons there are elders, the reasons there are pastors and evangelists and teachers is so that that leadership is not just one person. I'm not, I don't call the shots here. You know, this idea that, that when there's leaders that can be corrupted, the reason there's a body of elders in a church is so that that leadership is spread out. And so hopefully that body of elders acts like what the scripture calls them to act like and deals with what the scripture calls them to deal with so the body can be healthy, and so the body can be protected, so that the body can grow. It's not a scary thing at all, but the enemy twists it and perverts it so we're afraid of it. Submission is not a dirty word and it's not a scary word. We've made it a scary and a dirty word in our culture. And so over the next week, where when we come back next week, we're gonna talk a little bit more about our body and what we've done over this last year, what God has done through us. And we're gonna talk about this guy over here. And as a body, what we're called to do and how we're called to act and how we're called to interact with other bodies. I mean, there are other bodies of Christ all throughout this city. What, how do we work with them? How do we uh, interact with them? Are they like our cousins? Or, what, you know, what is this in the body of Christ? We're brothers and sisters, or are they our brothers? And, and how does that all put together? And I don't know that I have all the answers again. I mean, this is one of those sermons where you just feel scattered, and you're like, I don't know what to say or what to do, or I don't know what all the answers are. But I don't know that I need to know all the answers. I just need to know... Uh, maybe something's broken and needs our attention. And when I say that, that doesn't mean that what we've done in the past has been bad. Here's what I've found. In seasons of our life, when we offer God our best, he uses it. He uses it. A few weeks ago, we had a young lady that stood here and preached to you. And there are, are people like that all over the world who have come out of this church and have been raised to serve the Lord and are now ministering to, to people all over the nation, all over the world. And so God has used us at different seasons, but in this season we're in now, I think God's calling us to live at a different level than we've lived at before. And that's gonna make all of us uncomfortable. All of us. And that's okay, because that's where God's leading us, and that's where we ought to go. 
And so I hope you come back next week because we're gonna share testimonies from Royal Family Kids Camp this last year. We're gonna share testimonies from our youth ministry. We're gonna share testimonies from the fair. We're gonna talk about some of the things that God has done and we're gonna talk about the things that we think he wants to do in the future. We're gonna talk about some of the things that we do here as a body and why we do them, maybe explain them to you a little bit more. And so that's gonna get into maybe the nuts and bolts of that a little bit more. And then we're gonna keep talking about it until we feel like the Lord shows us what's next for us as a church. So I wanna invite you to stand. And I wanna pray for you as we get ready to go that God would take the things that he's shared with us and he'd show us how to apply them. Because for every one of us in the room, the application of this message is gonna be different for all of us. And the only way you and I are gonna be able to apply it the way the Holy Spirit wants to is if we connect to the head. And so, Father, today we want to commit ourselves to you. We want, Holy Spirit, we want to connect to Jesus, to the head, more than we ever have before. No matter how connected we already are, uh, that connection can become stronger, can become better. And we need you to direct us in that. We need you to show us how to do that. We need you to show us where to carve out things in our schedule to make more time for that. We need you to show us how to change the way that we think so that uh, devotions isn't just something we do in the morning, but it's something we're a part of all day long. We need you to direct our thoughts. We need you to direct our lives. We need you not to just show us how to connect to the head better, but we need you to show us how to connect to one another better. We need you to show us what areas of our lives maybe we need to lay down. That call to live dead, to lay down our rights, to lay down our desires, to lay down our dreams, and to pick up the call to serve you in the body of Christ. God, to work together to build your kingdom in this city. It's so amazing that you've brought us here for such a time as this. That all across this room right now, God, there are people from different parts of the country, different backgrounds, different upbringings, different uh, ways of thinking and looking at things, different gifts and abilities, and you've brought us all together right now and you fitted us together perfectly. Help us to see that, to understand that, and to work within those boundaries, God, so that we can more effectively reach this city for you. God, show us those steps that need to be taken. Show us passages of scripture that, that deal with the body of Christ and what it should look like. Make those things come alive in us. Father, I pray that you would give us grace and understanding to know your word and to apply it more and more to our lives. Holy Spirit, direct our thoughts, direct our hearts in the days ahead and in the weeks ahead. Show us why you've brought us into this body. Show us where you have brought us into this body. And so Lord, I pray that you would take these words and that you would just literally work them through our hearts and our minds in these next days. Now I pray, God, that you would bless this body. God, I pray your blessing on them today. I pray that you would keep them. I pray that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you would be gracious to them and that you would give them peace. I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thanks for being here. God bless you as you go.